Welcome to God's Table Talk, where real-life stories and testimonies of faith are brought to the table. And now, here's your host, Paul Eck. Right now on God's Table Talk, I am speaking with Elizabeth Guest, and she's from Louisiana. And Liz, thanks for coming on to God's Table Talk. Thank you for having me. Lots of great testimonies that I've heard doing this. Um, yours starts at a very early age, which I find quite interesting. Uh, kind of give us a real quick synopsis of your life and then how you got saved at a very early age. Well, my grandfather was a Baptist pastor, and so I grew up in a Christian household. And honestly, I was a kind of sheltered, uh, sheltered household. Um, as a child, I grew up very naive, if you will. Um, I remember in middle school where I heard these guys behind me saying, oh man, she looks like she might be fun to get stoned. And I literally thought they wanted to take me out to a field and throw rocks at me and stone me because I had no clue what going out and smoking pot or getting stoned. None. I, I'm so mortified to say that now as an adult, but that's seriously what I thought they meant because I was so sheltered. Um, I just, I didn't do any wild stuff. It was a lot later on in years when I did anything crazy. And even then I could still hear the Holy spirit in the back of my mind telling me, Hey, you don't need to go there. You don't need to do that. Um, my dad actually led me in a prayer and I, I received the baptism in the Holy spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues when I was 11. And it was actually a week before going to a Baptist teen camp <laughs> of all places. Um, so I was at that Baptist teen camp when all the other kids were praying and repeating what the pastor was saying, I was under my breath speaking in tongues. And, um, I love that. And I loved the fact that I was actually able to help my kids all get baptized in the Holy spirit. And they all speak in tongues as well. Um, and I have people ask me what's so great about speaking in tongues. And one thing my dad always taught me was that if there's something that you're not sure about what to pray, if you don't know what to ask for, um, like I have prayed for people where I'm not sure, okay, is the Lord actually going to heal this person? Does he want them healed? Or is he wanting to, especially like if it's an older person, is he going to heal them or is he going to take them home to heaven? Then I always just pray in tongues because I don't know what the Lord wants in that situation. Um, so that's one of those times where I would just pray in tongues. Um, also, like when you're a teenager and you're really wanting to pray that the Lord helps that relationship work out. Well, maybe that's not the best relationship for you. So praying in tongues always helps because the Holy Spirit knows what's right for you, even when you don't know what's right. Um, so I've always just prayed in tongues because that always works out best for you. That that always makes sure that, that you're getting the best blessings for your life. Um, but I, I got married at, I graduated from school in May, got married in June. I have three kids. I have five grandkids. My husband and I have been married for 32 years this June, which is awesome. Um, we've had our ups and downs. We've both been um, rotten to each other at times in our relationship. Um, I've had alcoholism and pill addiction that has affected me personally um, because I've had a lot of pain issues. Actually, I was in a car accident not long after we got married and I started 
having to take medication because of that. And it wasn't until honestly last year when I finally got off of all medications where I realized I have been on some sort of medication ever since that car accident in 1990, where I have been on something. It wasn't always like pain medic medication or anything like that, but it was always some sort of medication or another that I had been on from this, this long of a span, this long of a time period. And so when I finally was able to get off of all medications, thanks to the Lord, <laughs> I looked at my husband and I said, well, I just wanted to reintroduce myself. Welcome to your wife, you know? hello, here's the woman that you married in 1989. <laughs> Welcome to me. And uh, it's just, it's been crazy. It's been a, it's been a wild ride that we've had over these last few years. But, and I, and I think that a lot of the struggles that we've had has to do with the fact that I was on all those medications for all that time. And then the medications always didn't work. So then the alcohol came into play because if I was hurting, and the medication didn't work, I would drink some alcohol. And that led to other things, fighting, me having an attitude, you know? So I wasn't always a nice person and I took it out on him. As we do a lot of times, we take it out on the people that we love the most. And that's, that really sucks. <laughs> but um, God gave me a man that is strong and that is understanding. I mean, that man loves me with an unconditional love. I mean, he truly does have the love of Christ in him to love me the way that he does. And, um, God has fixed our marriage. We actually, we got married in 1989. We got divorced in 1999. And then eight months later got remarried and the Lord, when he put us back together, it was like, okay, are y'all done being dumb yet? <laughs> Cause I've got a ministry I'm wanting y'all to do, but if y'all are done quabbling and, and being stupid, this is what I want y'all to do. Um, so ever since then, we've been really focusing on our ministry. We both do prison ministry. We do a ministry in the prison together where we can go in a ministry. There's one prison where we can go together. And then we do other ministries where we sing together. But then there's one prison. He goes to one of the maximum prisons by himself because only guys can go there. And then I go to the women's ministry or the women's prison by myself where only I can go. Um, and then on on TikTok and on Facebook every Monday night, we do a live praise and worship, you know, meeting and we take prayer requests and do a little bit of a Bible study and stuff like that. And that's always fun. And we do some marriage stuff every once in a while as well, whenever the Lord leads us to it. But we just try to do whatever we can to minister and lead people to the kingdom, because that's what the Lord has called us to do. I mean, you know, you and I were kind of sharing earlier about the fact that when we get to heaven, we want to meet the people that we've helped lead. We're planting mustard seeds, you know, and there are those times when we're walking away from the things of the Lord and we hear that little still small voice in our head saying, no, you need to turn back around. You need to go, go back that way. And I want to, to be that person that helps to plant that mustard seed so that if that person starts to stray, then they'll hear that still small voice in their head that tells them, no, maybe, maybe I should turn around. Maybe I should walk the other way. Maybe I should go back to the things of the Lord, or maybe this isn't the right road so that they won't spend eternity in hell. Cause nobody wants that. Nobody. And 
I, I honestly do believe that the Lord can use every situation that we have been through. It doesn't matter who causes it. It doesn't matter the bad choices that I make. God can take it and make something good of it. And everything that I have caused harm to myself, God can use it. And the alcoholism, the drug addiction, everything that I've done to myself, God has used it to be able to, to give me a platform to reach people that are going through it now. I firmly believe that because if I hadn't already been through it, then how can I reach somebody that's going through it now? There, I mean, I would have no way to be able to relate to that person that's struggling with addiction. And I, I made a TikTok video the other day and I put the hashtag on it, faith over a fifth any day. And that's my new, that's my new hashtag for maybe we should do it for Cinco de Mayo where it's faith over a fifth instead of going out and getting drunk, because then you wake up with regret, you know, and I did, I had a really hard day one day last week, but instead of grabbing that fifth and drowning in it that night for a few minutes and then waking up with regret, I would just rather focus on my faith in God that it's going to be okay that I don't need to be worried about anything and put my faith over a fifth any day and, and just rely on him instead. No, you, there's a lot of stuff there that I want to talk to you about with what you brought up, because I think one of the big, I don't want to call it a mistake, but maybe it is that Christians make is that a lot of Christians wouldn't sit here and tell me, that they got saved at 11 years old, but they went through all of this bad things. And they talk about the bad things they did. People say, wait a minute, you are a Christian. Why would you? I think the mistake we make is that we want people to see us as being perfect instead of us being flawed. And it's only God and Jesus that are perfect. I am perfectly imperfect. I am perfectly imperfect. I am forgiven. I am redeemed, but we're, we're not expected to be perfect. We, we are born into a world of sin. We are born with wicked hearts and it's Christ's blood that redeems us from that sin. And that's why we have the altar to be able to come to, to say, Lord, I jacked up. I messed up big time. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. Cause I just royally screwed up. I've screwed up so many times, boy, I can't tell you how many times I've hit my knees. There's, I've lost count. And, you know, I truly believe that that scripture in the, in the Bible that says raise a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old or older, they will not depart from it because the Lord knows that we're going to mess up. There's going to be those times that we mess up, but that's what God's grace and mercy is for. It's for those times when we mess up, he doesn't expect us to be like Jesus. He doesn't expect us to be sin free. That's why his mercy is there. That's why Christ died on the cross for our sins is so that we can come to him and ask forgiveness for that. But he also wants us to try to not sin. He wants us to try to, to abstain from those sins and those transgressions. And ever since then, I mean, there comes a point in your life where it's easier to, to refrain. There comes a point in your life where it's easier to not go to the liquor store <laughs> and to not go 
find some pills and and to not say those cuss words because I used to cuss like a sailor. Um, there comes a point where it's easier to not do those things because you have you reached the, the point where it's like, okay, God, take all of me out and put all of you in. When you wake up in the morning and you put on the armor of God and you wake up in the morning and you listen to sermons and you fill your head with with the the praise and the worship and the anointing and the Holy spirit, there's, you can't have bad stuff come out when you've got all the good stuff that's going in. It's not possible. It's just, I'm, there's no other way to say it. I know that as a teenager, you became pregnant and you were a teen mom. Uh, talk about that a little bit, how, what the, you know, what came about there and how, you use that now as a part of a ministry. Well, I purposely became pregnant because at the time I was in love with my boyfriend and we, I knew that my parents being Christian parents, they wouldn't want me to not get married. I was thinking my bad <laughs> that they would want me to marry the father. Well, they were listening to the Lord saying, "Uh, uh-uh, that's not the road I want her to travel on. They heard something I didn't. Are you kidding? They knew better than me at 16. They what? Um, so at 16, I got pregnant at 17. I had my daughter and she was beautiful. And my boyfriend and I stopped, um, talking. I was still in touch with his parents, but he and I stopped talking at the time I was living in Spain. My dad was military. We moved back to the United States and, then I met my husband at the time he wouldn't, he and I were going to the same church. We started going to the same home, home fellowship. And then little by little, we started hanging out more. My daughter started calling him daddy, even before we became serious. And my mom, he's 10 years older than I am. So at the time I was 17, he was 27. I'm thinking that's never going to happen. My parents would never let that happen. But my mom said, age is just a number. If it's what God wants, it's just a number. And that's what God wanted. And so I graduated in May. And like I said, we got married in June. And here we are 32 years later. Um, I actually, because I decided to keep my daughter, I, I had a, there was a family that wanted to adopt her. But I decided I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> I decided that it was not someone else's responsibility to raise her, that it was my, my choice to get pregnant, that it was going to be my responsibility to raise her. When I was in high school, I was a singer. I actually had a four year full ride scholarship to Berkeley school of music. And I turned it down because I would have had to go live in California for the first two years of college. And it was not my parents' responsibility to raise her either. So I turned down the scholarship and I stayed here to be a mom to my daughter. And I don't regret that one bit because now I'm still singing, but I'm singing praise and worship for the Lord. And I have been a part of my daughter's life from day one. And my parents did not have to raise her. So I don't regret that one bit. And now she is on fire for the Lord. 
she is raising her three kids and doing everything that she can for her family. And I couldn't be more proud of her. So there's no regrets there. If, and people ask you, if you could go back and change something, what would it be? I wouldn't change a bit of it. Not one bit. I'd still get pregnant. Maybe not have been as rebellious as a, of a teen as I was, but I, I, I would have still definitely gotten pregnant. I would have gone through the same stuff that I went through because it made me the person that I am today. I wouldn't change a bit of it. If I had, I wouldn't have her. I wouldn't have my three gorgeous grandchildren that I have from her. I wouldn't be the strong person that I am today because of having to grow up so fast from having her at the age of 17. So I wouldn't change a bit of that at all. You talk to or find yourself crossing paths with young women that are going to be single moms that are pregnant or that have little ones. And do you, do you minister to them? Yes. All the time. That's what, something. what, what kind of things do you tell them? Cause it's, I mean, you've been through it, but it's when you're standing there in it, a lot of times it's really difficult to see what you're seeing have, having gone through it. I've actually ministered to a lot of girls. I actually worked in a pregnancy crisis center for a while as a volunteer. Um, and then I also helped some moms that were determined to do the adoption portion of it. I helped them find homes. Um, of course that was several years ago, but I did that portion of it as well, just because I wanted to be involved. I wanted them to know that there was help out there. I didn't want them to feel like there was no one, no one willing to help them, but it's always, it's always easier when you've been through it to help someone. I always hated it when somebody would say, oh, you can do it. It's no problem, but they'd never been through it. Um, for me, the biggest reward was having someone just say, thanks for listening. Because a lot of times people, people are saying that they're hearing you, but they're not actually listening. And so that was, that was the biggest reward for me was having moms say, thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. And there were, there were moms that actually kept their kids and are, still moms today, like my daughter, she's got friends that would not have kept their kids had they not had conversations with me thinking, okay, well, I can do this. If you did it, I can do it. So, and, and then I have friends that I went to school with that saw me keep her, that came to my baby shower, <laughs> that they helped to throw, that saw me keep her, that a couple years later had to do the same thing and that they went ahead and kept their babies as well. And they, they're glad for it. They, they wouldn't change it either. So. So now you mentioned earlier that you and your husband both very heavily involved in prison ministry. Where does that desire come? I mean, I shouldn't ask that question. Where does that desire come from? It comes from God, but why do you think God has you and your husband doing that specific ministry? Um, Honestly, I don't know because neither one of us have ever been in that situation where we've been in prison, but I guess maybe a portion of it could be because if 
we hadn't been raised in the homes that we were raised in because he was raised in a, in with a pastor as a father too. It very well could have been that kind of life that we could have lived. We, it could have been us in those prisons had we not had the upbringing that we did. I mean, there were several nights that I drove drunk. I mean, I'll be honest. So there are several times I could have been in a prison. And there was one night where I did get a DUI and spent a few hours in a prison or in a, you know, in a holding cell. But I, you know, I just, I lucked out when it came to being able to make it home. And I think maybe God's just put it on our hearts to not want people to be in a situation to where they don't feel like they have anybody. Um, I can, people, you know, I hear people thinking, well, but these people are the dregs of society, so to speak. Why should we care about those people? They've done things to put themselves where they are in prison. How do you, how do you view it as a Christian? One mistake, just like me. My DUI was three years ago. I was singing on the praise team at the church. I went to a Halloween party. I had one drink too many. That's it. And I had had some food. I thought I was good. One drink too many. That's all it takes. You can think you're okay. And then you're not. People make mistakes that end up leading to more mistakes. And then that causes problems. And I'm not just talking about alcohol. People will blindly think, okay, well, I can flirt with him. Nobody will know. And then the next thing you know, you're having a full-blown affair that causes somebody to lose their family or their position at work. Maybe their whole congregation, for Pete's sake. I mean, there's pastors that are losing their jobs and their churches left and right because the devil is using sexual promiscuity like nobody's business because that's, that's God's one biggest gift um, that he gave a husband and a wife was to be able to get together and become one. And that's one thing that the devil has used and has perverted so bad. That's why you've got sex trafficking and pornography and uh, it's just a mess, but that's a whole nother topic, <laughs> but it just takes one mistake. And then you're just like those people in prison. And when you, when you get that low, when you feel like you have nowhere else to tune, you're like, well, what's the use? What's the use of making myself better? And I've been to rock bottom where I would wake up in the morning and I would think, okay, if I don't get some alcohol, I'm going to have a rotten day. Cause I'm going to start feeling bad. I'm going to start going through withdrawals and I'm going to start throwing up and I'm going to start getting sick. So I've got to go get some alcohol. But then at the same time, I would be like, if I get alcohol, then I might get sick because my body might reject it because I've already had too much alcohol. So I'm going to be sick anyway. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a merry-go-round that's nasty. And I got to the point where I was like, I got to get off the merry-go-round. 
So I, I, I just said, that's it. I got off the merry-go-round. Let's get sick. Let's get it over with. Let's go through with the, the withdrawals and let's be done with it. And I cried out to God and said, okay, here I am on my face. I'm done. How did your husband play in that? What role did he play in the you getting free of alcoholism? He held the trash bag. He wiped my forehead. He prayed with me. It wasn't easy for him. Not at all. <laughs> um, it was hard for me to say, you know, this is what I've been doing because I've been hiding it from him. Honestly, I've been trying to hide it for a long time. He'd had his suspicions, but um, I had been hiding it pretty well. I was a functioning alcoholic. And then it got harder and harder to hide. So. So now here you have grown kids, you have grandchildren, you and your husband, your husband now has met his, his, his wife. After all these years, he has the actual woman that God chose for him. What is the future for you and your husband? To continue to spread the gospel, share the gospel with as many people as possible. Just pray for the world because the world is, I mean, aside from it, just dying in general, it's just, it's so lost. And there's so many people that need Jesus. And I mean, we were reading Revelations last night and we were just blown away by the amount of people that are just so lost and, and misunderstanding even the interpretation of the word and, and just lost <laughs> in general, just, I'm so, I'm so speechless by how there are still so many people that just think he's a fairy tale. I'm just blown away. Honestly. I mean, even if he was a fairy tale, I would much rather believe in a fairy tale and die to find out, Oh, okay. He's not real. Then to not believe in him to find out, oops, He's real in the end. I would much rather believe in that. I mean, what, what have you got to lose? I mean, you've got Satan over here that's trying to tell you, okay, sacrifice this, sacrifice that, sacrifice this, sacrifice that. And Jesus is over here saying, love everybody. What have you got to lose? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's what's cultish about that. <laughs> Jesus is just saying, love everybody. Have mercy on people. Turn the other cheek. Forgive people. What what's bad about that? I, I don't know. Is there a scripture that you go to? Because obviously, you, as you mentioned, you have days where you're still down. You still have, you struggle. Is there a scripture you go to that's just your, I mean, is this your go-to scripture? I don't want to quote the wrong one, so um, hang on. My very favorite one, John 15, 16. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit and so that your fruit could last. 
as a result, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. There was a time in my life where I was at my very lowest. My husband hated me. I was miserable. All I could see when I looked in the mirror was my mistakes. And the devil kept reminding me, you're a loser. You're your alcohol. You're your pill addiction. You've cheated on your husband. You're rotten to the core. You're this, you're that. God doesn't love you. Blah, 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 blah. And that's all I saw whenever I looked in the mirror was all my mistakes, all my flaws. And then I came across that scripture. The Lord chose me. I didn't choose him. He chose me. He knows the hairs on my head. And I lose a lot of hairs each day. So if he's keeping track of that, then he loves me. Okay. I'm just saying he loves me. He knows me, my name, not just the Elizabeth name. He knows what name I had before I was in my mother's womb. He knows how many lives I've touched. He knows the true integrity of my heart. He chose me. He knew all the mistakes that I would make. He knew about my DUI before I did it. He knew about my pill addiction. He knew about the alcoholism. He knew about all the choices that I would make, good or bad, before I made them. And Jesus still died on the cross for me. And then he knew that I'd be going on TikTok and sharing the gospel. He knew that I would have the boldness to go on TikTok and go on Facebook and share the gospel and pray for people because he chose me to do that. So now we won't, you know, it's been a while since you were 17 years old. And obviously, as you mentioned, you were pregnant and had a child, but your th vision of your life playing out at 17 and where you were going to be as an adult and where you are now, how different is it? Oh, I would have laughed at you if you'd have told me I was, <laughs> no, there's no way. When I was 17, I thought I was going to be the next Whitney Houston or yeah. I, I had no idea I'd be doing this. None whatsoever, but I'm glad I'm doing it. I don't regret it one bit. Not at all. I, I honestly, I mean, even last year, if you'd have told me that I would be preaching and doing these TikToks and weekly prayer services and stuff like that, I would have been like, what? what? I don't do stuff on live. No way. Mm -mm. But here I am. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that God needs more people. And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but God needs people to say, okay, here I am, Lord. Use me. You have to be willing to say, use me. And he'll use you. Thank you for tuning in to God's Table Talk. You can listen to the podcast on these seven platforms, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, 
Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Breaker. Don't listen to podcasts? You can find us on YouTube as well with full interview footage. All you have to do is search God's Table Talk. Want to share your testimony? Send us an email at info.godstabletalk at gmail.com to schedule your interview. That's info.godstabletalk at gmail.com. At God's Table Talk, we hope you will be blessed, but most importantly, that you will be a blessing.